Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au So good to have you uh, in church on the last service of 2020. Can you believe it? Amen. 2020 is over. This year has absolutely flown past and it's been pretty amazing. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's pray. Father, as we go into the word this morning, Lord, I pray that you would speak a word to our hearts. Uh, Father, I just thank you that your word is truth and your word has the capacity to change and transform us. Lord, I just pray that this word would not just be informative, Lord God, uh, but that our hearts and our ears would be open to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So we would walk out of this place being challenged, being encouraged uh, to, to get closer to you and to know you in a greater way. Be glorified in our hearts and lives today. We just bind every distraction in the name of Jesus. Just let there be freedom to speak your word, to hear your word. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word, I pray. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. Today, I pray and I thank you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to speak uh, this morning on the subject, um, is this uh, the end? Is this uh, the end? Well, what a year, 2020 has been a year to remember, and I'm sure that we'll be reflecting back on 2020 uh, in years to come, and maybe 2021 as well. We're not sure yet. We'll see what happens. Uh, we started the year with so much uh, optimism. You know, people were talking about 2020 vision, you know, new vision for the new decade, you know, and, uh, and there was a lot of hope and expectation. People were planning holidays, and they were planning cruises, uh, career changes and all kinds of celebrations. Pretty soon, uh, we went from optimism to just plain survival. We were just hoping we'd be able to get to the end of 2020 unscathed. And uh, we were hoping that we'd get to the end of the year without losing our jobs and maybe not losing our homes, not getting the virus, still being married after work at home, uh, lockdowns, you know, still hoping that, you know, things would be okay. It's certainly been a crazy year. Big question on everyone's mind, especially uh, people of faith, uh, is the question, is this the end? Uh, is Jesus going to return uh, in our generation? Uh, is the end of the world near or nearer than, than, than maybe uh, other times? Well, as you kind of look at the scriptures, you've got you to kind of wonder whether this could indeed be um, the end, about the signs of the end times, Jesus said, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. This is Jesus who was asked the question, when will the end be and what will be the signs of Jesus coming? And these were some of the signs that Jesus gave. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Um, now, I've, I've, I've never experienced that personally, but what I do know, I've got a little bit of experience, what I do know is uh, the birth pains get, get more frequent and they get worse as 
the birth approaches. And maybe in 2020, we're starting to see the birth pains kind of escalate towards, towards the return of Christ. Some people have called 2020 the year of disasters. Um, you will remember back in January, which was quite a long time ago, uh, there were incredible bushfires in Australia. I mean, you know, we've seen bushfires in Australia every year. We, we, you know, there's, there's something somewhere. But the scale of what was happening in Australia uh, at the beginning of the year was just something unbelievable. I remember seeing this picture. I mean, it was a Photoshop picture, but nevertheless, it was very impacting where you kind of saw all the fires that were happening all over the nation at the same time. It's one thing for a few to happen in Adelaide or Australia, South Australia or a few in New South Wales or Victoria or whatever, but to see the scale of the bushfires happening in, in every state in our, in our nation was pretty, pretty amazing to see. There were floods in Indonesia, volcanic eruption in the Philippines. This will happen this year, by the way. Earthquakes in China, India, Iran, the Philippines, Russia, Turkey, the Caribbean. Uh, there were swarms of locusts. I mean, when I heard about the swarms of locusts uh, sweeping through Africa, I, I, I started, I thought, really? Is that possible? You know, I thought it was fake news again. So I went, I went to Google because everything on Google is pretty well right, isn't it? I mean, come on. Um, but so I went, I went to check the story. Sure enough, there were, there were swarms of locusts that had gone through Africa uh, and heading towards the Middle East around Easter time. I don't know if you remember, just check Google and you'll see it's all truth. Uh, and um, swarms of locusts going through Asia, East Africa, um, India, the Middle East, uh, just unbelievable, you know. It's like reading, uh, you know, uh, the Bible, reading Bible times and, and Egypt and so on. And then, uh, of, of course, uh, the, the Revelation. Then there were the cyclone in Bangladesh, India. And of course, just in case you missed it, I don't know which planet you might be on this year, but we also had a little pandemic uh, called COVID, uh, which has kind of devastated the world uh, all over. Um, there have been 100 disasters uh, since we went into quarantine this year uh, around the world. And just so you can see uh, how these have been escalating over the last uh, few decades, uh, here is a graph. Yes, we got the graph. Here's a graph of the number of world natural catastrophes uh, that have been uh, happening since 1980. So th this, is a, this is a graph of, um, of the natural uh, catastrophes that have been happening over uh, since 1980 to, uh, to the year 2018. And, and I'm sure that that line for 2019 and 20 would be, you know, maybe just a little bit higher above there as well. And it's pretty amazing when you kind of look at it like this. Uh, certainly what's been happening over the last you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Now, some people may look at a graph like that and say, well, that's climate change. And that the reason why we're seeing this kind of graph look like this is because um, of climate change issues. Certainly the climate is changing in the world. No question about that. It's the spiritual climate. Things are definitely heating up all over the world. Spiritually, that is. Um, and like birth pains, uh, I believe we're going we're gonna to see them come more frequently and with greater intensity. What's interesting is scientists will look at this, oh, yes, it's definitely you know, climate change. But maybe, maybe, maybe if we look at what the Bible says, it's actually telling us exactly what the Bible is actually. The Bible is telling us that's what the graph is going to look like as we get closer to Jesus' return. Question is, are we living in the last days? 
Now, I'm not really sure if we are living in the last days. Um, I know that we are closer to Christ's return today than we were yesterday. I know that for a fact. Uh, but as far as whether these really are the last days, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make a judgment on that. But people all around the world uh, and ministers all around the world, commentators around the world are, are kind of saying, hey, something may be going on here. Because as we look at the world, uh, certainly makes you stop and think. You know, one of the things that, you know, Matthew or Jesus said as one of the signs of the end times would be that iniquity would abound, that sin would abound. And I don't, I don't know, but you just need to think about what's been happening uh, in the last few years. And iniquity isn't going backwards, it's actually going on the increase. It's looking a little bit like that graph. Um, think about some of the things that, are, that people are trying to get, the, you know, certain groups are trying to get through parliament and abortion and, uh, and euthanasia and not to mention, you know, some of the policies that have been pushed through uh, in, in the last few years in our nation. I mean, you've, you've got to stop and say, I, I just wonder what's actually going on here uh, because it's quite interesting. I think one of the greatest things that COVID has shown us is how vulnerable the world really is. We think we're, so, we think we're amazing. We think we're so strong. But actually, we're pretty fragile as a world. And how quickly we can lose, lose everything. So I don't know about you, but, but, but there's a sense where, I don't know, something, something could be going on here. It's, it's just, it's just this, that, that, that things are, 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 it's not just another pandemic. That, you know, when you, when you take all the issues together, you kind of got to think, well, maybe we are living in the last days. So if, if we are, then, then how should we respond? How should we respond? I think that's the big question. The big question is not so much what's happening around the world. It's, it's about how should we respond? Jesus, sorry, the disciples asked Jesus in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, you know, when will the end be and, 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 and what's going to happen and, and so on and so on. They were interested in the detail. Jesus says, don't worry about the detail. He said, Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Just worry about your own life. Don't worry about the details. Question is, how then should we live in light of the fact that we could be living in the last days? Well, this morning I'd like to reflect on a passage that comes from Peter, the apostle, understanding that we could be living in the last days. How should we respond? How should we live? And I want to pull out a few principles out of this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, the text begins with the words, um, and um, uh, if you've got that Second Peter chapter 3, and, and reading from verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 3 and reading from verse 3. The Bible says this, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed, speaking about Noah and speaking about what happened at that time of, uh, of Noah. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now notice the first thing that Peter says is make no mistake, Jesus will return. Um, and so in your notes, you can write there, don't be complacent. I believe that's the first principle. Don't be complacent. 
I think it's a word to all of us not to be complacent about the times that we're living in. You need to understand that Peter, uh, or that the people Peter was writing to believed that Jesus was actually going to come in their generation. That Jesus would return in, in their lifetime. And evidently there were people among them who were beginning to doubt that Christ would return. Uh, there were false teachers who were actually beginning to teach uh, or beginning to speak about this. And, and Peter says one of the things that would happen towards the end is that people would know that Christ was to return, but not really believe it anymore. So Peter reminds them that by the word of the Lord, Christ formed the earth. He destroyed the earth in the time of Noah. And by that same word, he will return once again. And what I find interesting about this passage of scripture is that Peter is writing to the church. He's actually writing to the church. He's not writing to the world. He's not, he's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to the church and he's reminding them not to get complacent about the return of Christ. One of the, one of the concerns that I have as a church is that we too can become complacent about the Lord's return. We can experience eschatological fatigue. Everybody say eschatological fatigue. <laughs> You know, it's a bit like compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue is we see so many images on, on television of poor, of the hurting, of the wounded, of the so on and so on. We see those images. When we saw them the first time, they moved us in some capacity or in some way, but they no longer move us. So we see them on television and they no longer move us at all, which is amazing. Uh, compassion fatigue, it's called. We can also experience eschatological fatigue. We can hear it so many times we no longer believe it. Um, we, can, we can hear about, oh, we're living in the last days. And we hear it so often that we don't actually believe it any longer. As far as I can remember, there have been people saying Jesus is coming back. I remember in my teens, I remember the kind of thing that kind of spurred me to, to get closer to God was, was the whole thing about, you know, these are the end times and it wasn't that long ago when I was in my teens, just for the record, okay? So just putting it out, there was just a few years ago. But, but I remember, you know, going to, to the bookstore and buying all these books about end times and who the Antichrist was and so on and so on. And, and everyone sort of interprets their current events as signs of Jesus' return. Every president has always been the Antichrist. Every pope has always had a shot, you know what I mean? He's always been the Antichrist and, and, and so on. Uh, the latest one that I heard was from my physio. I was, uh, you know, getting some work done. And um, uh, he's, he's kind of into spiritual things. And he said, uh, look, uh, I, I, I think I know who the Antichrist is. And, and it's actually in the Bible. Uh, it's actually in the Bible. And he said, you know, uh, you know how you often refer to families by their surnames, you know. So you refer to the Leones or you, you refer to the Lees or, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, it's, 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 you, you refer to them by their surnames as families. And he said, I, I think, I think the, the Antichrist is actually Bill Gates. And he said, uh, it's in the Bible too. Uh, Jesus said, I will build my church and the... I laughed. I just laughed. People are actually thinking these things. There are people actually thinking like this. Real danger for us is that we can hear about the return of Christ but not believe it anymore. We know that Christ will return, but deep down we don't believe it anymore. 
I know, I, know, I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, no, Pastor Joe, you don't understand. We're Christians. We come to Life Christian Center. We believe, we do actually believe that Jesus will return. But if we truly believed it, wouldn't it somehow influence the way we live our lives? Jesus warned us in Luke when he said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down by carousing, drunkenness and the anxieties of life and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Uh, he's saying, Jesus was saying, be careful because you can get so caught up with, you know, a party lifestyle, a party spirit, the distractions of life, the anxieties of life that we no longer think about eternity and and it's going to come to us suddenly like a trap. That our whole focus is here on earth. Now, Now, please don't misunderstand me. We do need to live in this world. But we need to be careful that we don't allow the world to live in us. We need to be careful that we don't allow the world to take a hold of our hearts and dominate the way we think. Dallas Willard said this, We don't believe something by merely saying we believe it, or even when we believe that we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it were true. I don't don't want this to be too challenging, but I do want to challenge us. I do, I do want to challenge us this morning as I was reflecting on this message all week. It's, 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 I want to challenge us to, to understand that, hey, hey, maybe these could actually be the last days. And if they were the last days, well, what needs to change in our hearts and lives? Because I don't know about you, but, but we, we can so easily get caught up with what's, what's happening in the world and in our lives that we lose track of the reality that we are actually not of this world but that Jesus is coming back and we will be spending eternity with him. Understanding that Christ could return soon, how should we live? Then Peter goes on to say, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, when the Lord, uh, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. Peter is saying, I know you think that God is slow in keeping his promise, but don't misinterpret the slowness. God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish. There's only one reason why God is delaying his his return, and that's because he wants everyone to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the second point. What do we do understanding that Christ is coming back? We need to focus on Christ's mission. That's your second point on your notes. There's only one reason why God is delaying his return, and that is because he wants everyone to come to a knowledge of him. And if that's God's heart and mission in the world, then that ought to be our heart. That ought to be our heart. One day Jesus was uh, uh, speaking to sinners and and tax collectors and so on, and and the Pharisees watching Jesus do that began to murmur. You know the story. And Jesus watching them and hearing what they were saying, he begins to tell three parables. He tells the parable of a lost sheep and he tells the parable of a lost coin and, and then a prodigal who, who, runs, who goes away from his father, rebels against his father and then loses everything and then comes back. And, and, Je- and Jesus was saying, this, this, is what, this is the reason why I came. And God is still going after that one lost sheep. If there's one thing that keeps God busy and, and, and if there's thing that motivates him, it's that one lost sheep. 
He's willing to leave the 99 of us behind as he goes and searches after that one lost sheep, that one rebellious sheep that, that has kind of decided to, to, to get away from the, from the shepherd and from the others and go off in its own, in its own direction. And, and Jesus is still going after that one lost sheep. Aren't you glad that Jesus still goes after the lost sheep? Because we were that lost sheep. We were that sheep that decided to go off in our own direction. And, and, and Jesus, the good shepherd, he, he leaves the 99 and he comes in search of us. And Jesus is saying, well, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. He's still sweeping the house for that lost coin. I know that coin is somewhere here. I know the coin is somewhere in the house. I just got to keep sweeping. I'm going to keep until I find this coin. He's still waiting for that prodigal to return. He's still waiting for that prodigal to return. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I could already return, but there's a couple of prodigals that need to come back. I just want to give them a chance. I just want to, I just want to wait just a little bit longer. We've got eternity to spend time together. But there are some prodigals that need to come back. And that's what that consumes God's heart. And I believe that ought to consume our heart as a church. Jesus is still telling us, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come. I love that word. Every time I read it, it kind of convicts me. It kind of says, who am I compelling to come? You need to come. You don't understand. If you don't, the, the, the consequences are disastrous. Compelling people to come so that my house shall be full. Now, many of us, you know, um, you know, we count, we count, we count every Sunday morning. I believe it's biblical. There's a whole book on numbers, so I don't think it's a sin. So to count, you know, but why are we counting? That's the big question. I, I've talked to some pastor. Oh no, pastor, no, we don't count because it's a sin to count. David counted, and he committed a sin. It's not if we count or or don't count. It's why we count. Why are we counting? Is it, to see, is it to see how many, how many, how many we've got, you know, to show, well, we've got this many? Or, or is, it, is it the heart of God who says, go out to the roads and the country, lay, compel them, so that my house shall be full? Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the soul of the earth. He came to seek and, and save the lost. He's, he's about to die on the cross. He's meeting with his disciples and he, you know, it's the last words. What am I going to tell them? What, what is it? What is it that, what's the, what's the few phrases I need to give them that is, that is going to make such, a, such an impact in their lives? It's the mission. It's the commission. Go and make disciples. Peter is saying, make, make no mistake, Jesus will return. In the meantime, focus on seeing people come to a knowledge of Christ. This is the most important primary mission of the church of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would understand this, understanding, you know, the graphs and understanding the, the signs and un, looking at the pandemics and the swarms of locusts. Come on, let's, 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 let's make sure that we focus not on the signs. Let's make sure we focus on the mission. Third thing Peter says is, remember that Jesus will come unexpectedly. Verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In the New Testament, the Lord's coming is often likened to a thief. In fact, there are over six passages in the New Testament where this analogy is used. The metaphor of a thief is twofold. It means Christ will come suddenly, unexpectedly. And secondly, if you knew a thief was coming, you'd be prepared. 
Jesus actually said that in those words. He said, Matthew 24, 43, but understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day our Lord will come. The idea, the idea of this is be prepared. If you knew that a thief was, listen, tonight I'm going to be there at one o'clock to, to break into your house. I mean, what would you do? Would you leave the house? Or would you be prepared? I don't know how. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be leaving the house. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously. You know. um, what would you do? Get a baseball bat? Seriously, whatever. You'd be prepared. Again, I, and I know you're hearing this and you say, yes, Pastor Joe, it's important to keep watch, be ready, be alert. The, the reality is this, and, I, and again, please, I don't, I don't want to convict us, but I do, I do want us to understand the times that we're living in. Peter is speaking to a church, I believe, who had started to think, you know what, I don't think he's coming back. And so Peter challenges them. Because the reality is we'll hear this message and tomorrow most of us will go on just living our lives as, as we did today. And then when Christ does come, we'll go, oh my goodness, he came back. <laughs> Paul says in Thessalonians, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. In other words, you're not ignorant and thinking, oh, well, you know, that this day should surprise you in some way. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Peter goes on to say, in light of the return of Christ, live with a kingdom perspective. Verse 11 since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. See, we can live our lives here on earth with an earthly perspective or a kingdom perspective. We can either live our lives focused on the here and now, or we can live our lives uh, on, on things, focused on things that have eternal value. Which one, are, which one are we? Are we, are we more focused on the, eternal, on, on the, on the, on the earthly things or do, do we have more of an eternal or kingdom perspective? Where, where are we kind of leaning towards? Please make no mistake, we, we need to live in the world. We need to have a home. We need to eat. We need to plan for retirement. But we can do those things either with an earthly perspective or a kingdom perspective. Our feet need to be firmly planted on this world. And in this world, we do need to have a home and we do need to have all of those kind of things. I don't have any problem with any of that. But we can do those things either with a kingdom perspective or with an earthly perspective. I love the way Paul says this. He says, Paul says, speaks to the Philippians and says, For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears... Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ, their destiny's destruction. Their God is their stomach. That's an interesting scripture around Christmas. But anyway, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. You know, we all need to eat, but, but, but and I'm not saying, please, please, you know, it's important. We have family celebrations. It's all good. Um, but Paul is saying, for some people, their, God, their, their, their stomachs have become their gods. We all need to live in a home, but how many people know our homes can become a God? And Paul is speaking to the church and he says with tears. And, and, and to get Paul to cry, I mean, this, this Paul, was a, Paul was a cleric. Paul was a Donald Trump kind of person. I mean, you know, to get him to cry was something. And, and Paul is looking at the church there and he's starting to cry. What was it that brought him to tears? It was an earthly perspective. 
And Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior. From there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to understand something. We need to understand a reality of life is that there is a constant pull towards an earthly perspective. That, that it doesn't matter how much we hear it and, and how much we, we understand and how much we read the scriptures and, and how much we know and how much we read the science. There is this constant pull towards an earthly perspective to stay focused on what's happening. And, and, and the more we try to, to focus on a kingdom perspective, if we, if we don't, we will naturally just move back towards, towards an earthly perspective. See, we can... We can go to work and pursue a career. That's an earthly perspective. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with any of that. But it can become, it can become like an idol in our lives. Or we can go to work and we can begin to say, hey God, would you use me here? You see, you can see your workplace as either a place where you can earn money or where you can, where you can climb the ladder. Or you can see your workplace as a mission field. Maybe God has placed you there for such a time as this. And you know, nothing wrong with pursuing a career. I, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's our focus. What, what is our focus? We can start a business. Thank, thank God for, for people that are willing to take a risk and, and go into business. But again, you can be building your own kingdom or you can be building God's kingdom. Here's the reality. There, there is a constant pull towards an earthly perspective. There, there, is a, there is a constant pull that no matter, no matter how much we try to keep a kingdom perspective, there, there, is, there is a constant pull back towards an earthly perspective. That's why Paul says to the Corinthians, so we fix our eyes on, what, on not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says to the Colossians, set your minds on things above. Set your minds. Your minds are going to forever naturally go back towards what's happening here on earth. But he's saying, set your minds on things above. And what I find interesting is this, that the more we live our lives with an earthly perspective, the worse it is, the less joy we experience, the less peace we experience, the less of life we experience. The more we live our lives with a kingdom perspective, interestingly, the more joy, the more peace, the more sense of purpose we have in our lives. Again, go back to Peter. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this day, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless. And at peace with God. Make every effort. Because it's going to require effort to stay focused on the reality that Jesus shall return. So this brings us to ask the big question. What would need to change in our lives if we knew that Christ was coming next week? I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What, what would need to change in our lives? What would we change in our lives if we knew that Christ was coming next month, next year? What would you stop doing? What would we, what would we start doing immediately? <laughs> That's the funny one. What relationship would end? How would the way we use our money change? How would our perspective of our career change? Would we start tithing? Would we give to missions? Would we look at reducing our debt? Would we go, oh, no, let's cut this thing. Would we talk to some friends about Jesus? 
Would we spend more time with our family? Would we say sorry? Would we work on our marriage? What would you do if you knew that Jesus was about to return next week? <laughs> December 31, 2020. That would be a good way to finish 2020. I mean, that would be just that would be a nice, beautiful stitch up. Let's just go in Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Peter begins this chapter by saying, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. This is the beginning of the chapter we just read. He's saying, listen, I'm writing this to remind you to wholesome thinking. And then back, back in chapter 1 of the same letter, he writes, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you have. Listen, I know you know this stuff, but I'm going to remind you again. As I was praying this year, just thinking about 2021, I just felt, you know, I felt the Lord say, you know, I want you to speak a little bit more on end times next year. Just from time to time, just remind the congregation. I will always remind you of these things, even though I know you know them, and I know you know them, and I know we know them. I'm going to remind us all. So I'm going to show you a clip. Now, we've seen it before. I showed it a couple of years ago, two years ago to be exact. It's just a reminder I've not seen a better illustration than this. It's just a reminder that we could be getting close to the end. What am I going to look forward to at the end? I'm going to bring an illustration that this is like the first illustration I did. It was 20 years ago, but I can't think of a better way to, to explain it. Um, I actually didn't use a rope back then. I used a, remember, a, remember computer paper when uh, it was all stuck together? and it had the holes on the side that you had to peel off. Remember that? I remember getting a, a roll, and some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, which is crazy to me, but, because uh, that was the best, you know? And, um, and it never worked right, because of the rolling things, but, uh, but I, I, had, I remember being a youth pastor, and I put uh, that computer paper all the way around the room, and, uh, but I'm gonna use a rope now, because I can't find that computer paper. Um, imagine this rope, okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever, okay? Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times. It doesn't. It ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now, imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh, man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about, th what about all this stuff? It's, just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can, 
Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy, and I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth, and it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this, and then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now. Just enjoy right now. Let's all stand together. We've had some technical. <laughs> I think you got the message, didn't you? It's pretty clear. So, Pastor Joe, what, what, what are we supposed to do? What do, what do you want us to do? What's, what's the right thing to do here? What, what, what do you want us to do? Sell everything and just do something else? Is that what I want you to do? No, I, 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 I'm not saying that at all. Uh, are, are we living in the end? Is Christ coming in our generation? I, I don't know. But I know the fact that we've been closer than ever before. Question is, what, what should we do between now and when Christ does return? The greatest thing that we can do is focus on Christ's mission. Focus on the eternal and not on the temporary. And I, I believe this. The greatest thing that we can do in response to a message like this is really just come into the presence of God and say, okay, God, you created me. You know the days that I'm going to be here on earth. Lord, what, you, what would you have me to do? What would you want me to do, Lord God? Um, is, there, is there something you want me to do? Because I'm open to it. I'm open to it. I'm open to whatever it is that you would have me to do. Maybe some of us need to reflect on our lives. Are we more, are we more earthly focused or are we more kingdom focused? And maybe, maybe we need to kind of just take one step towards kingdom. More, more being more kingdom focused. But more than anything else, it's just asking a simple, a simple question to God. I was praying a simple prayer. Say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And help me to understand this. Let this become a revelation in my heart and life. And if we pray that prayer, I believe the Holy Spirit will start to speak to us. We'll start to see what we have differently. We'll, st we'll start to see what we're doing differently. We'll go to work and we'll see the workplace in a completely different way. We'll see our homes completely differently. We'll see our cars completely different. We'll see everything that we have, not as something to get, but as something to use for God's kingdom. So I, I, just, I just want to encourage you, understanding that we are living in the end times, just to pray a simple prayer. Okay, Lord. What do you want me to do? We need to pray Isaiah's prayer. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. I'm ready to go. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready, Lord God. Because if we pray that prayer sincerely, I believe that God will begin to show us what we need to do. I pray as a church that we would get a clearer understanding of what our mission actually is. That our mission here at church is, yes, to enjoy the worship. Yes, enjoy the word. Yes, enjoy everything that we have. But ultimately, it's so that God's house would be full, full of people 
that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here today and you know if Jesus was to return, you're not really sure about eternity. Well, why not be sure about eternity? You can be sure by just giving your life to Jesus Christ, by opening up your heart to Jesus and inviting Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Let's pray together. Father, I just, I just thank you for this word. And we don't know exactly what's happening. But we know, Father, that you're involved and you're in this. So, Lord, as a, as a church, as individuals, would you help us to take stock of our lives, Lord God, and get an understanding, Lord God, of what it is that you're doing in the earth right now. Help us, Lord God, to be more kingdom-focused than earthly-focused. Help us, God, uh, to make ourselves available to be used by you. Father, we, whatever we're going to do tomorrow, Lord God, I just pray that you would use us for your glory. Open our eyes, Lord God, that we can see what you see, I pray. And we just thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives. That 2021, it's going to be another year. It's going to be a completely different year. It's going to be a year where our focus is changed, Lord God. Focused on the eternal, focused on your kingdom. Father, this is our prayer. And we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We're even out of time, so I'm just going to dismiss the congregation. And just thank you so much. You've been a great uh, congregation today, great listening. Uh, have a happy new year because we won't see you till next year. We'll see you next year. And uh, have a great happy new year, we pray. God bless you. Amen.